0: Steve Gerrard, Gerrard, he slipped on his back in us. he passed it to them, Baba. Steve Gerrard, Gerrard. Chelsea! 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 How's it going guys, welcome back to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast with me, your host Yannick, or Yan, call me Yan. Um, today we're going to be looking back at the two games against the Scousers reviewing those, very happy about those games. Uh, I'm going to be looking ahead to, I guess, the Southampton game, which I believe is away, down on the coast, and also looking ahead to the game at home against Videoton, or Vidi, which I will be attending, so I'll have a bit more first-hand uh, knowledge about it. Let's go. So let's get straight into it, buzzing about this podcast. Um, I was sh- shitting it, Before, the sort of two games against Liverpool, looking at our result against West Ham, a little bit blunt, maybe. um, Struggled to break them down. I think uh, our midfield was uh, a little bit stifled by Ham. Uh, Incidentally, they're in great form. A little honourable mention about how Man United are in complete meltdown and lost 3-1 to the Hammers. I actually tweeted about this, guys. You probably saw my tweet, how I... Did a bet builder on that game and won 75 quid from a fiver because I had West Ham to win, West Ham to score in both halves, over eight corners, and and Alan to score at any time. So that was excellent. Anyway, yeah, so a little bit, I was a little bit apprehensive about these games against Liverpool. Obviously, they've been in like scintillating form. Um, they're a well-established side under clock now. I've had four, about four years odd under him. Loads of investment. I think. Sari's been with us for like three months with, you know, Jorginho in terms of investment. And, you know, there are good reasons to little you know, to be a bit apprehensive about the game. Anyway, so the cup game midweek, um we made eight changes. Actually both sides made eight changes, um, in the Carabao Cup game away at Anfield. Now I said as soon as we drew this uh, this game, it's the hardest possible fixture. An, a tournament away game at Anfield against a Liverpool side that are in form and unbeaten. And you know what? We and beat him, didn't we? Brilliant. Um, okay, I'm not actually going to look at the lineups because I'm going to be a bit more cash, but I'm going to try and run through it. This will be a nice, fun little game. Let's see if I can remember the lineup. So we made eight changes. Um, we had Willy Caballero in goal. We had a back two of Christensen and Cahill. A left back of Emerson. uh, right back... I think Aspi did actually start Sesk deputising in the Jorginho quarterback role. Flanked by... I think... Did Kante still play? No, he didn't. Kante came on flanked by Barkley. And uh, Ruben didn't play. He was injured. Let's see if I can remember this. Maybe Kovacic started. Fuck. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> and then um front free victor moses i know he started morata started um and flanked on the left by another footballer um Eden hazard obviously came on this I'm, I'm not gonna look this up i want to remember who started on the left maybe it was just william on the left william moses and morata no pedro pedro got fucking injured Pedro started. Anyway, eight changes, guys. And it was a, a really exciting game. Liverpool made eight changes as well. They had, you know, Yekater starting, Shaqiri, um, Daniel Sturridge. And it was a really fun, exciting game to watch. It was a great game, um, considering the changes as well. Both trying to implement their forward-thinking, attacking styles. But with their B teams, um, there's obviously a great respect, I think, between... Um, um sorry and and uh i was gonna say pep which is true but not not, not what i'm trying to talk about here um klopp there you go yeah there was like a really sort of neutral respect here because they both try and play entertaining fun football um big smiles and hugs in the two meetings between the managers over the last week um but yeah it was a great fun game you know um we started quite well liverpool came into it storage missed an absolute sitter but then scored a you know, a nice overhead kick. There was too much space for him, but it was a, it was a good finish. Um, and the game sort of went on with us. We, it, it was encouraging. There was encouraging spells throughout that game for Chelsea. And sorry, obviously wanted the sort of twist and he wanted to go for it. And we, we all made free substitutions both sides to put our better players on. So we all ended up with our best players on the pitch. And it, the best player on the pitch... Was um was turns out to to have got the winner, but prior to that, we um we were in the ascendancy in the game. Emerson had quite a good game. I was pleased to see him start. I think you know he had to start, and he got his first uh, his first goal for Chelsea, which was a tap in. Um, I really think the uh the Barkley header. He got the rebound off the save from the Barkley header. I thought that was a great header. Um, I mean Barkley didn't cover himself in glory in in the next game, but I was so hoping he'd score that. Anyway, really happy for Emerson to get the tap in, great goal, 1-1, and then that bloody goal from Eden Hazard, now if you listen to this podcast, I'm assuming you've watched the game and you want to hear my thoughts on it, or you're a fan of Chelsea FC, but I'm assuming you've watched this game, and if you haven't watched this game, I'm going to assume that you've seen this Eden Hazard goal, because my giddy aunt, it is a blinding goal, the way it was just built up with the team, it Eden Hazard picking up a spell of possession. He's just sort of running around, nutmegging people into playing with his homies. And then he, he, you know, the ball, he passes the ball out, gets the ball back, makes this beautiful little slalom run. Uh, he, he nutmegs as a Henderson. I think he nutmegs Henderson at one point. Certainly in that game, he winds Henderson up so much. He just Henderson can't figure him out. He fouls him a couple of times. He gets booked and he's just getting so wound up. Um, just because he's too good. Hazard's not doing anything aggressive. He's not diving. He's just tearing him to pieces and tying him in knots. Um Which was great fun. Um But that goal, man. oh, Just go and watch it. Again, even if you've seen it a million times. Lovely scenes. I did share it on Twitter. At Chelsea Yannick. Let's just plug my Twitter, actually. For some reason, you listen to this podcast, but you don't follow me on Twitter. It's at Chelsea Yannick. N I C K. Follow me. I post cool stuff about Chelsea. Anyway, that goal just simply fantastic. You know, it's so good, and we well deserved to to um to win that game. I was so excited and proud of the team performance there. You know, I was, I <laughs> kind of Arsenal fan TV that with some Liverpool red men TV. They're proper like scousers that hate Chelsea, but you know, they they uh they do. Put their hands up when when they concede a goal of that quality to Eden Hazard. A lot of the scouts, they fucking hate Hazard because even when he had that poor season, uh, you know, a couple of two or three years ago, he still scored an absolute world at Anfield. You know, he'll turn it on at Anfield regardless. Oh, what a goal? Anyway, so they they were all pissed off up to that point. Even to even net right now, Liverpool across all competitions are beaten, and uh, Chelsea are are unbeaten. So. You know, just saying, we broke their unbeaten record, and we went and slapped them about our Anf- at Anfield. Excuse me, at Anfield, our form at An- Anfield was actually very, very good. Um, so long may it continue. Um, anyway, saw the game out. Everyone's talking, suddenly talking about Hazard being the best in the world again. I mean, I'm not sure how much I love that chat to be honest. I certainly think he's a form player, and I agree he's the form player in the world, but. I just want him, you know, I'd rather these chats come up a bit later if he puts pen to paper, which I'm not entirely sure is going to happen. He actually, um, on a minor tangent, he did that sort of Sky Sports feature before the weekend game when they talked about him going away. And he's like, look, if I stay, I'm happy. But if I leave, I'm happy. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm just happy. He's basically leaving his options open. Whether that's like a a thing that he's doing to try and get the best deal, you know, to say, "Yep, there's a good chance I'll leave. Because that's what you do in in terms of negotiation. You're always going to have to say that to leave yourself in a position of power to get the best possible contract or terms or whatever from the club. You don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely sign a contract at one point because you'd be an idiot to do that. But in the same sentence, everyone in world football is like, oh, yeah, he needs to leave Chelsea. You know, he's going to hear those noises. And there's a strong chance we'll go. Excuse me, that's the, more, that's the most... Um, <laughs> It seems to be a recurring theme, me talking about Hazard leaving or staying, but that's it for this episode, that's all I'm going to say, purely because he did that that feature on Sky Sports, or no, BT Sport, whatever the fuck it was. So yeah, man of the match, he absolutely tore him a new one at Anfield, loads of upset scousers, and the Steve, Steve Gerrard chant over and over and over, so it was absolutely lovely scenes. And we're through to the next round, and before I re- uh, review the next match at Stamford Bridge, it's worth mentioning who we've drawn (laughs) in the next round of the Caramel Cup. The prodigal son's coming home. It's our boy, Frank Lampard. He's bringing his Derby side to Stamford Bridge. It's a fucking fix, isn't it? I mean, I love it, but come on, mate. Jesus Christ, you couldn't say... This is like just narrative coming out of everywhere, especially the fact that he's just gone to his old boss and turned them over at Old Trafford. I mean, lovely, brilliant, and he's coming home. I'm not upset about it. I think it's good. It's going to be a win-win. If we lose to Frank Lampard, it's our boy doing really well. He'll get such a good reception. It, people will be if he's if he turns us over and beats us five 0 we will be singing his name right to the end. What a great a great situation to be in! So uh, super, Frankie Lampard coming back with his derby side, and indeed uh, Tamori and Mason Mount. And I do believe I've been reading online because it's a cup game and not a league game. They can play. So, shit, but good, but good, but shit. Good, bad, what's going on? No one knows. Frank Lampard. <laughs> Alright, let's let's uh, let's look at the next game. So much to get through today. Two reviews, two previews, and a question. So I want to soar right into it. Right. Oh, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge against Liverpool. Completely different game. Full uh, strength side. So, you know, we had Ariza Balaga back. We had um, Alonso and the our normal partnership of Louise Rudiger, more on them shortly. Midfield free, Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, more on him later. And a front free of Giroud, which we all wanted to the see back, flanked by Eden Hazard, of course. And interestingly, Willian again to come in for what we assume is still an injured Pedro. Um, and what game? Game of the season. Again, I tweeted about this game of the season for me. The quality of football, they were gushing over it on match of the day also. As expected, it was a full-strength Liverpool side with a misfiring Mohamed Salah, which is good. Uh, He actually got subbed off, which, you know, just highlighted Hazard over um, Salah. Even sort of scouts are sort of coming out and saying, well, you know, Hazard is obviously a better player. He didn't have the mega goal-scoring season that Salah had, but that was obviously circumstantial to a large degree of, Football form and whatever, just you know, ability. But he was very much a, sh- a sort of the sharp edge of a system where Hazard seems to be just lighting up the pitch, doing shit all over the gaff and whatever. a um, uh, Comparison over. It was such a good game. Again, another Eden Hazard goal. I've uh, 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 not not as good as the midweek one, but very high quality. It was an excellent team goal to give us the lead. Um and for an and ultimately let's be honest and goal of the season so far in terms of individual strike from Daniel Sturridge right at the end to give to share the points and uh, for a 1-1 it was such an epic game i mean everyone is coming out and just being like yeah that wasn't such a great game of football um for so many reasons just for like intent um p- combinations passages of play um just the where the game was played on the pitch for both sides, the congested midfield, yet people still making incisive passes through. Um, incredible performances from our centre back pairing. Um, this really does silence a lot. I was uh, on the last couple of podcasts. You regular listeners will know. I tried to like calm the masses about David Luiz, saying, "Look, if Christensen doesn't comes in, I don't mind, but give him a chance. Our coach sees something in him." And I've also spoken about how he's a very intelligent defender at most of the time um and oh my god, they really that that center back partnership really came of age today, both of them making goal line clearances, both of them making tackles, intelligent positioning leadership power I mean both of them were excellent uh we would knew Rudy everyone puts Rudy in as their number one center back, but louise just had such a great game and uh, what again watching your match of the day and post game analysis he was basically showing why everyone already knew while showing his attributes that everyone knows about the long diagonal balls the spread long passes putting them on people's feet um in the wide areas and everyone's sort of gushing over that like oh yeah we all know he can do this sometimes four look at that god that's what you want from like you know, your, your centre midfielders, like you, like, you know, your Cesc Fabregas's and this, that and the other, but you're getting it from a centre-back. But then also, he was just had, he had an excellent um, centre-back display. I think Rio Ferdinand said that he was, like, man of the match for him, which is high praise, you know. He's a bit of a wanker, Rio, but he's an excellent defender. So, yeah, excellent from the uh, centre-backs. Fullbacks were pinned back a little bit. Had to play a bit more defensive and narrow. I think that was probably intentional and systematic, but it worked. Um, Alonso had a few good moments, a couple of bad, but all in all, good game. P sort of similar, maybe a bit more quiet, but I think he was resolute. And our midfield was spectacular, spectacular as well. Oh, my goodness. Kovacic is looking more and more a player every game, man. Um... Really asserted himself in that game, and his vision is just immaculate. Uh, I mean, his his forward passes are just super good. I think he got the pass on for for Hazard to to score that goal, and just he really put himself about. He doesn't seem to have any problem with the Premier League, which is a really notable point. Um, The physicality; he's obviously acclimatized quick. I think he's been knocked about a bit. no, excuse me, knocked about a bit. And he's like, right, all right, this is what this is all about. No problem, let's get on with it. And he's just a baller, isn't he? He's a dribbler. He plays amazing passes. Get him a couple of goals. And we, the whole league, will be turning and looking at him going, fucking hell. And again, I probably echo the sentiments of every Chelsea fan across the globe when I say, I hope we keep him. Because um, he's just so good. Giroud, again, puts himself about... Maybe a couple of chances that he should have done a bit better. Um, He comes off and uh, Morata comes on. He was actually, Morata was surprisingly aggressive quite positively. Um, He is trying. I don't want to say too much about him because he needs to obviously get some confidence and score goals. Hopefully on Thursday I see him start and I've witnessed him scoring another goal. (laughs) Anyway, so... That was good. Obviously, Hazard's immaculate. Willian was pretty good. He had a couple of chances that maybe should have done better. Um, and then we saw we saw Barkley um, come on. with Morata come on. And who was the third substitute? I think Moses might have come on. Like, anyway. And the game was an excellent game. There was chances on both sides to score more. Um Although we held the lead in that game right until the end. And that obviously, the equalisers from Liverpool, from that worldie from Sturridge, who'd been on the pitch for about five seconds, and his next Chelsea, so it was a massive punch in the gut. But it's a fair result upon reflection, because, like I said, we had goal-line clearances for both centre-backs, um, Salah was a, nearly had an open goal. Uh, Ariza Belaga got down to make an excellent save, which was starting to... Look like a bit of a world-class, world-class goalkeeper in terms of make, ability to make that kind of save, but also his distribution um, and being the type of goalkeeper we really need. Uh, Hazard, again, had an additional one-on-one with Alisson that he probably could have put away or should have put away in, on another day. You'd put the farm on him scoring that in the form he's in. Willian had a couple of chances. So there was chances from both sides. It was an absolutely excellent game. I don't want to say too much more about it. If you haven't seen it, watch the highlights, watch the goal. I think everyone's sort of happy. If we get another draw at Anfield or a win, I mean, knocking them out of the cup in their own yard and then getting a draw at home, all contextually, all things considered, if you look at how long sari has been here, look how long uh, Klopp's been at uh, Liverpool, the investment, the type of game, the form... Very, very happy an excellent game. And there's lots and lots of reasons to be incredibly positive about this Chelsea side, where we're going, what we're doing and what we've done. I've got absolutely nothing negative to say about the games. Looking at it as a football purist and looking at the context, very happy with how both of them went. And we should all be incredibly excited. So, brilliant. That's the review of the Scouser games. We've really sort of announced ourselves in the league and just in English football at the moment and Cesare looks like he's getting incredibly settled. So let's look ahead to the next games. All right, so this Thursday, I'll be bowling down to the bridge to watch our B team slash youth team, let's be real, probably B team, play VD or videoton some team, (laughs) some football team. That are coming to play football against us. Um, I guess the only really note I'll be—I Let's be real. I don't know anything about this football team we're playing. Are they the Belarus team? I, I don't know if they think so. Park was Greek, wasn't it? So, anyway, um, I imagine be quite inferior towards uh, when standing up against us. But I, I don't know anything about them. I—the only really sort of notable things that I can talk about this game is you know well the next pod I'll talk about what actually happened and how I found it and stuff. But it's really what, who we put out upon reflection against power and Greece. I understand why Sari did do that strong lineup and actually incidentally in the end, it, it looked like it was an important thing to do because we had that kind of senior players on the pitch to see out that one nil win <laughs> when get the, uh, the points from the hardest away fixture in the group. Um, but we are at home, and apparently these this team is is weaker or is a is a less difficult opponent. So all that being said, you want to see Ampadu and Hudson Adoy, and you know you imagine yeah, Morata would start, um, unless you know we get real curveballs. But yeah, I imagine I imagine you you want to see that. Um, I'd love to see Bulker playing goal. Um, although it will be probably Caballero. Again, which is fine, but you know, you'd imagine Emerson and Zappa Costa on the um, fullback roles, and then whether Ampadu plays in central midfield or plays as a centre back, probably a centre back. So we might see Ampadu and Christensen in the centre backs roles, in centre back roles, Fabregas deputising in the quarterback role, flanked by Barkley and Loftus Cheek. I mean, this is pretty much the lineup I said for Park, but you, you'd hope now we're at home against an easier opponent that we'd see this, but, you know, we don't know yet from sorry, If we play a stronger team, more of just a senior B team and win, then we'll pr- probably all be like, meh. I think the notable two would be hudson and ampadou I just want to see hudson Adoy. I know is good, but I really want to be sure about Callum. Um, He just seems so talented, and I really think he's, you know, such a gem. I want to see him play. Uh, especially being there, I want to see him run off the ball, and um, you know, out of possession. I want to be able to see his movement and stuff. So, hopefully, he does play. Um, and I'm trying to just think if there's anything else notable talking about this game, other than really what we'd expect from the lineup. up um, It'll be interesting to see the attendance uh, at the bridge, especially after looking at, you know, for example, Manchester City played against Leon. now Leon are a big team they're a good team they, pr- they produce a lot of good footballers <coughs> excuse me they do well um, in Europe and um, you know they're, they're a force in one of the top five leagues in, uh, in Europe and Man City had a home game in the Champions League and they got like 35,000 attendants or 37,000 attendants in, that, in the Etihad which is just mental if Chelsea were playing Leon at home in the Champions League Stamford Bridge will be full. Anyway, I digress. So, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see the turnout for Sarri's, um Europa League home game essentially, and it'll be interesting to see the uh, the lineup. But like I said, the the more, most I can sort of really say about that is hoping to see Callum and uh, Ethan start. So let's just talk about Southampton away. Uh, this is a game we should really be winning on current form, um, especially you know. We want to keep this momentum up before we play against Manchester United, which I think might be the next game, but I'll have to double-check that after Saints. Um, Southampton, they're not having the best season, but they do have Danny Ings now up front, which is a bit of a goal threat. They'll be at home, I don't know what the atmosphere will be like. All things said, though, we should be beating Southampton, right? I mean, they've got some good players, like I've mentioned, uh, Danny Ings. They've also got Gabby Deeney, what the hell happened to him? Uh, Yoshida at centre-back. It's not too bad. He's pretty good centre-back right. They've obviously got the um, Nathan Redmond um, Champions League winner, Ryan Bertrand, ex-Chelsea. You know, he'll probably fancy trying to score. Romelu, they've still got... He's ex-Chelsea as well. Fuck Lamina. He looks really good at some point. Anyway, they got some good players in there. So apparently, they've still got Target. I think he was on loan. Anyway, so I've just looked at the squad. Some good players. They'll be at home. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking at their form at the minute, but... They've got um, Sparky still at the helm. And they always fancy sort of putting one on Chelsea. But even with these sort of little side bits of narrative, you'd expect us to create the space, score goals and win the game. Hopefully, Eden Hazard keeps up his form and we can get him another goal. But also, I think more importantly, we need to get strikers on the score sheet. I mean, the longer this goes on for, the more desperate we'll look come January time. And might get turned over by a selling team. So it's a difficult one. The midfield and the strikers really get goals from. But anyway, away at Southampton, you'd fancy us to sort of be able to to dominate and dictate. I don't think they have amazing defenders or amazing players to create a narrow, low block. Um, I think they will try and play a little bit. And they're just not an amazing footballing side. So it kind of is the perfect uh, fixture for us to go off after Liverpool and flex our muscles a little bit. Um, that being said, you can't always call it complacency might um, slip in, which I hope it doesn't. Um, I hope sorry wouldn't allow that. I really hope he continues to assert this expressive, fun football and don't let, you know, well, there's no other word for it than complacency slip in after, like, a great performance against Liverpool, uh, two great performances against Liverpool, to thinking, oh, yeah, we should just turn over Southampton, let's not worry about it, and we end up with another draw. That would be the third draw in a row in the league, or, God forbid, a loss, but I really can't see that happening. Yeah, so, I mean, we are, we've are we dropped four points in the last two weeks, uh, and we're being talked about as potential challenges. I'm not quite sure that's true, but we can't keep dropping points, so... um. Yeah, hopefully we really do reassert ourselves and get the win there. I uh, I do see it happening. We're probably overwhelming favourites, all things considered. So let's hope that is a win. I don't have much more to say. These uh, these previews for these two games aren't particularly exciting. It's not a huge, epic matchup for either game. And there's no particular individual battles within the game that I want to talk about. So I've actually gone through quite a lot in... Um, much better time than I thought I would. I think as I was driving up to the studio in my head I knew what I wanted to talk about and I've sort of like got through it quickly. Uh, I've got three good questions that I'm going to answer in the last section so let's get on to that. (laughs) Alright guys just before I start I've got three decent ones here. I usually when I don't get when I get as little as three, I repost and then I'll get 40. <laughs> but I had three good questions here. So I was like, you know, I've got a lot to get through. I'm just going to stick with these and talk about those. Um, worth mentioning again, at Chelsea Yannick for my social media. Uh, if you want to me to read out your question or talk about a subject on the podcast, you just message me or whenever I tweet about it, you drop on the tweet your question and I'll go through it like I'm about to do now. Um, lean Football or LME Football has asked a three-part question. First being, why couldn't we have given hudson Doy a chance today? It was too much a high-profile game to do that, especially to a kid that we're not giving a chance at all at the moment. So that goes back to us hopefully seeing him on Thursday, mate. What do we need? Uh, what's the need for bringing on Morata in that game? That is an interesting one. Obviously, he's chomping at the bit. Uh, and when he did come on... Against Liverpool, like I said, he was aggressive and assertive. He was running about, putting himself about. And I think Sari just wants to give him game time and keep him acclimatised to being on the pitch. Um, I get it. Giroud's a little bit more defensive and maybe we needed that at yeah, the end, maybe not. Who knows, hindsight's a bitch. But I don't have any major criticism for him putting on Morata there. Um, he thought maybe he could just shake up the back line and run in behind and maybe we could get another goal to seal the game. But that didn't happen, and that's okay. And the third part of your question is, is Barkley better than Fabregas and Ampadu? Well, Barkley, I think, plays... I think Ampadu, if he plays in the midfield, he would actually play in the Jorginho role, as does Fabregas. So it's a difficult comparison to make and not really... a um. A great comparison. I alluded to earlier in the podcast, Barkley didn't cover himself in glory in his cameo. Lost possession a couple of times, and it it was to our detriment, ultimately. Um, Fabregas can play the Jorginho role very well. The only problem being is he's not as quick-thinking as uh, Jorginho is, and that's what Sari says, why he's so important, Jorginho, because he's very quick in the mind, very quick in the head, the mind. Um... And that's what's important. Fabregas certainly has the ability on the ball, but if he can keep it for 90 minutes, keeping that sharp. I mean, he did very well midweek, but I think Fabregas can actually do a job in the can take role as well, because certainly at the moment, over those two, he looks more of a goal threat, because we've seen Fabregas running into the box and scoring. He he can, Fabregas can score goals. He won't score a lot, but he can score them. He's been consistent in his career with popping up with the odd goal. Whereas Kovacic, I know he's a lot younger and even Kante's a bit younger. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an odd comparison to make, but um, they're all very different, mate. I wouldn't say one's better than the other. Barkley's trying to be that sort of... We bought Barkley originally. Apparently, we, the club, Chelsea, identified Barkley a very long time ago to be the successor to Frank Lampard. It's not going to turn out like that. He'll be more of a uh, a money buy. We'll probably double our money on him and sell him on and whatever which is fine um yeah that's pretty much all I can say about Barkley and in terms of being the the true CFC heir to Frank Lampard it looks like it's gonna be Mason Mount in it who's actually playing on the lamps now and has looks like the second coming of Lampard with a but sort of a little bit more 2k18 in terms of how he plays and what football demands from your centre midfielder now, so I think he looks an absolute player, and if we don't see Mason Mount, this is just another one of these players that us Chelsea fans say, but if we don't see Mason Mount in the team within the next three years as a starter, that will be a travesty. So thanks for your questions, dude. Um, all right, you know what? Saying that, I'm going to consolidate this, because Paul and Chris Stevens... Um, both ultimately asking about the January transfer window. I mean, Chris sort of prefaces it with, we've clearly evolved under Sari. Uh What business should the manager be thinking about for January? And Paul went on and talked about, we still have X amount of players. William, Pedro, Becker, Zappa, uh, Danny Drinkwater, Cahill... Um, Caballero, Morata, the payroll, what happens? So let's just consolidate this and do ins and outs. Right, um, the club would probably want to get Danny Drinkwater and Baki Yoko both out. I actually watched AC Milan the other day, and I forgot Bako was there. He came on, and I was like, oh yeah, I think he actually had a shot on goal right at the end as well. He had like a 10-minute cameo when they were losing. Um, I don't think the coach really rates Baki Yoko, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Um... Yeah, so I think drink water was a sort of mistake. I think the club got him because before Conte came, he identified him and Kante as targets, and we gave him Kante. And when the shit hit the fan of Conte, we were like, oh, we'll give you drink water now as well, or just make it work. And it never worked out, and whatever. And um, Cahill, I think um, Sari, excuse me, has alluded to he wants Cahill to stick around because he wants that backup as as for he knows probably he's too be slowed down now, his ability's not as good as his first choices, but he is experienced and he can count on him as backup. I mean Cahill wants to be back up. I think if he's a bit more backup than he assumes, like if he plays a bit more, he might hang about. But a mid table side would snap up Gary Cahill. Um so sorry wants him to stay. Obviously, he's taken the captaincy off him and given it to Equator because he's playing, but I think he does want him to stay, but understands if he'll go in January, there's a strong chance of that. The club's going to have to be sort of... I don't think we'll see Yoko back in our team, um, but in terms of getting him off the payroll, getting him off the books, that might be more difficult. Then um, we we would have hoped uh, Morata and Giroud will both stay, certainly for the next season, uh you can see what happens, they're not gonna go in January. I don't think. Uh William won't go, Pedro won't go, he's just signed a uh, an extension. Zeppa Costa I think will remain as I think he has said he might have said something about how he potentially would go, but he's not gonna, you know, push out uh Equator, but maybe if he's happy with Cups in Europa to play as right back and to train under Sari, which must be a, an attractive prospect. Regardless, just being in and around this team and this football, that's got to be positive. But again, you think Sarri would want to keep him because he's clearly not playing Moses as a right-back. Um, he wants to play him in the front three. Obviously, he can't play in the middle three. Um, and remember, this, watching Moses these last couple of games, something very reminiscent about um, our winning campaign under Conte. Suddenly, the, the whole dynamic of the t I've really noticed this. It's really prevalent where do you remember when we won the league with Conte we'd switch play to Moses and he'd be like oh look there's Victor Moses in like a thousand acres of space <laughs> every time he'd just be with like chalk in his boots but he'd just fall to him and he'd somehow drifted out there and no one's picked him up literally like several times a game every game there's obviously something systematic in how it works where Moses would just be in acres of space always always um and as a wing back, that was great because he'd be right you know on the wide part of play with more a denser populated uh, pitch more in the middle. But apparently we can execute that same effect with him in the front three. So as much as I was a bit like, oh God, Moses, you know, his probably best position is as a winner in a four-two-three-one, But just, just having him in the, uh, um, you know, a bit more up the pitch, we can still execute that sort of a, uh, that positive um, move of having him in space and then dribbling it in and taking on a man and getting the ball back in, which, you know, I'm fine with. Um, I think that's actually quite good. I had to remind myself how effective that was. Uh, so, yeah, I'm down with that. No problem. And so, yeah, right back. Costa will stay. Really, it's... We've got loads of midfielders now. We've got problems with goals in the midfield. But I think that's going to have to be with coaching. And, yeah, guys, so that's the thing with the outs. But ins. I mean, I think it think would be quite happy. It's literally a striker, isn't it? Like, I mean... To get a striker back and just have three strikers, is fine. You know, it's fine. Um, obviously, he he never plays with two strikers. I mean, Conte had, like, the odd situation where he'd have them both on the pitch, but it doesn't look like Sari will ever do that. Um, but, you know, so maybe get a striker, maybe not. But the this, this squad's not a massive concern at the moment. Maybe a few out the door and maybe a striker in. But other than that, unless maybe, like, a particular amazing opportunity for a right fullback comes in or we make an investment for the right winger like you know again we always talk about sort of these kind of like quality of players like Pulisic or Leon Bailey for the future of the right wing because we've got Hazard who's a bit younger than Pedro and William and then we've got Hudson-Dotoy who's much younger than Hazard so looking forward that sort of left forward slot is is okay it's just really future investment for the right wing. Um, so that must probably a long-term uh, target for Chelsea FC, what we're looking at. And, you know, I trust the club to do that. And that's going to be questions, guys. So I'm going to wrap up this pod now. And uh, it's been a fucking wicked one. What a lovely podcast I've done today, guys. Covered a lot of positive uh, talking points and uh, answered a couple of good questions. And uh, blindly and poorly <laughs> previewed the upcoming games i really enjoyed doing it um it's been a good sort of short period of time for chelsea fans i love talking to you guys on twitter follow me on twitter at chelsea yannick my following is growing very quickly which i'm pleased about um yeah well just what a blast man if you i hope you guys have uh enjoyed the pod please uh subscribe However you're listening to it, wherever you're listening to it, I think there's a subscribe button. I just want to spread the word and, you know, get more people listening to it, guys, and you can help me with that. So subscribe, go on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and search Yannick on Chelsea, click five stars and write a quick, nice, short review, just like one sentence. I read them, it means a lot and it takes you a couple of seconds and it helps me out. So with that shameless, desperate plea done, let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening to the Anacond Chelsea podcast. Up the Chelsea. Keep the blue flag flying high. Carefree. Wherever you may be. And I'll see you later.